into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Hearta Midlothian Football Club, coming to you from around the world and so much so this week that I, Laurie Dunsair, can say good morning, good afternoon and good evening between the three of us hosting the show this week. Uh, first up, it's good afternoon to Mark Donaldson. Good afternoon to you and I just want to say to Ryan McGowan, g'day. What? Is it bad? No, that's not bad. I've been getting used to that. Good morning to everybody. It's currently Good morning from for Melbourne. Seven. And how hot yes. is it? Oh, it was 30 yesterday. Beautiful. Oh, Beautiful. Um, getting ready for a yeah. couple of big, big World Cup qualifiers. Important these two games. for Australia, aren't they? Yeah, very important. We've only got four games left. So it's, um, yeah, the business end of the, the qualifiers. So we've got Vietnam on Thursday night in Melbourne and then Oman in Oman on uh, Tuesday night. So a couple of big games for the boys. So hopefully get six points and, and then take it on to the, the last two games. Indeed, yes. Ryan is over in Melbourne ahead of the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Mark mentioned the two games and then there's the two Big matches coming in March against Japan and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I asked you earlier in the week, but just to clarify for any listeners who may be interested in the the World Cup qualifying situation, at the moment, Australia is sitting in third and you need to get top two for automatic qualification to the World Cup next week. And that will still be the hope, won't it? If you can get two good results here, then it might come down to that big game at home to Japan in a couple of months' time. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's still in our hands at the moment, and and that's sort of been penciled in as the the do or die game. Um, I think this window Japan plays Saudi, so um, yeah. he's hoping that that Saudi can can win that game, and and we win our two, and then it takes a little bit of pressure off. It could be a case of if we beat Japan in March, we qualified. Yeah, hopefully there might be a couple of couple of Hearts players in that camp come March mm-hmm. if, the, if the boys do well. Indeed, I'm, just, gl- I'm, I'm, I'm glad they're not in this one. I was going to say that. <laughs> Indeed, I'm glad there's no uh, Hearts players in the Australian squad for this particular window with all the games we have coming up. And I'm particularly glad that there's a certain Tom Rogic in, in your camp <laughs> as well, which means he won't be scoring against Hearts this midweek. He's got a good record against Hearts, doesn't he? Tom yeah. Good record against most players, uh, teams, I think. He's <laughs> just a good player. Who's, a, glad <laughs> who's, who's the roommate? Are, are you by yourself because of COVID? No, by, yeah, COVID, COVID. So we're by ourselves. So, um, and also with COVID, you need to pick your table because if, with the way the system is, if one of you is on your table, um, <laughs> it's COVID, then uh, it wipes out the table. So mm. we need to be careful because it, technically it would become a, a close contact 
um, depending on when you were to catch it. So, so how do you how do you judge yeah, that? You just have a look and go, oh no, I know I know what he's like. He'll be out in the town all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go near him. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, it's we're we're in a bubble, so we're not actually allowed outside the hotel. So it's it's pretty um, pretty strict, and we have a PCR test almost every every day. So by the by the, by the time lunch comes, we we understand if anyone's caught out. It's just if it then gets a little bit tricky if someone does test positive, they kind of need to try and backtrack it, and and that table would be under intense pressure in terms of having to return negative PCRs. But it's um we're we're a little bit used to it now because of of everything that we've had to do. We've this is probably uh, fourth or fifth camp where we we've been in this you know this sort of biosecure bubble but um yeah it's just the way the world is at the moment and and especially with us this window has been put on because we have so many games like you said it's it's not an international window so yeah we're just maximizing trying to keep everyone fit and healthy and safe indeed well we will talk about um art of midlothian as well as australia's national side in this week's uh, podcast, of course, we'll cover the Scottish Cup game that Mark mentioned already, Auchinleck Talbot against Heart of Midlothian, which took place on Saturday lunchtime. We'll talk about that and the Scottish Cup generally. And we will also look ahead to one, maybe two, maybe three upcoming Hearts games because they're coming thick and fast at the moment as we hit the busy part of the Scottish Premiership campaign. Right, let's start with Auchinleck Talbot against Heart of Midlothian in the Scottish Cup fourth round. It's strange, Mark, this one, isn't it? The way the Scottish Cup throws certain things up. You know, Auchinleck have only been involved in the competition for 12, 13 years now. And this is the third time in the last 10 years that they've actually been drawn against Hearts, of course. This is one of these things, but Hearts won't meet certain teams, you know, for decades, for for even longer than that, but this one just seems to keep getting, keep coming out of the hat. Yeah, same uh, same manager Tommy Sloan in, in charge of them. Same goalkeeper as well. Nice touch for Craig Gordon to uh, sign his jersey afterwards mm-hmm. and give it to 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 Big Andy's uh, child. Um, I, I thought this was the best of the three performances. The, the first one was oh, very yeah, jit- yeah. very very jittery in two thousand and. And 12, uh, we got there with Gordon Smith. The second one was comfortable, but I thought, honestly, I thought we played some really good football. And I've always said when when things are, are going well with Hearts, and I'm sure you'll mention later that that's Hearts' biggest win away from home for, I think, 30 years. Uh, you, I, I don't want to steal your thunder. You, you can fill well, people well, you, in. You just did, so. No, I, I, I didn't, because you can give all the details, and then we can go into that later I don't want to steal your thunder. Of... You could repeat what I just said, but. It's like, it's, it's like. Yeah, it's like starting a sentence with "I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you know yes. what's coming next is going, is going to be disrespectful." I don't mean exactly. to be hurtful, but um, I thought we were really, really good, and and the positivity will emanate from the fact that I don't care. That it was Auchinleck Talbot who were the opponents. We played really well. They might have allowed us to play well. They might not really have laid a glove on us. But you've still got to produce. I thought some of our football was really, really good, and and mm-hmm. I'm optimistic for for these uh, for these games coming up because I thought that was the best of the three that we've played against Auchinleck Talbot. I thought it was a pretty much a perfect weekend for Hearts, um, getting that result, getting that performance, and getting a home tie against Livingston in the next round. You would have signed up for that before kickoff, wouldn't you? Definitely. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the, the previous two and the first game uh, a decade ago 
was back when Ryan McGowan played for Hearts, albeit being one of the big guns, he was rested for that game. Um, but Suspended. It's Were you suspended? Is that what it was? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. I thought you might have mentioned that before. You weren't playing anyway. But I actually look back at the team, and it's interesting, you know, because we say it's only Auckland like Talbot, and indeed, you know, they are a, they're a non-league side, six-tier side. But the team that played um, against them in 2012... Eight, um, sorry, seven who started would play in the final. Um, so we had Jamie McDonald, mm. Fraser Mullen, Andy Webster, Darren Barr, Danny Granger, Andy Driver, Ian Black, Scott Robinson, Arvidas Novikovas, Rudy Scatchel, and Gordon Smith. So a pretty experienced side, apart from you know Fraser Mullen as someone who at that point hadn't really been involved at all. Gordon Smith was a sort of squad player, but largely a very strong team, Ryan, and that was a game where Hearts were actually quite fortunate in the end to get through because they got the goal, but Auchinleck scored a, a perfectly good goal at the other end that was disallowed. I mean, do you remember much about the game? Obviously, you weren't involved yourself, but the, the feeling ahead of playing that side? It's just, as a player, it's one of those games that you just, you don't dread it as such, but there's almost a, you can't win. You know, like, similar to the performance at the weekend. If you, mm-hmm. you go and play really well and win 5 nil. everyone says well that's to be expected they're a junior team and if it's a closer game and it's you know 2 or 3 nil, then it's probably something's not worked out well but I just remember they were very defensively organised um, and yeah we just struggled to really break them down and, and sometimes at home we've spoken about it before with the Tynecastle crowd it can be actually a, a, a quite a difficult place to play because you know everyone that was going to that game was expecting a four or five nil and um, you know open and attractive game with loads of goals but you know they made it really difficult for us that day and um, I think that's what makes it more impressive at the weekend that you know Hearts just went down there put on such a professional performance like Mark said some of the football they played and some of the goals were you know really high quality goals and um, I just feel that that this season especially compared to recent times these players are just putting in real professional performances um, out there and just getting the job done. And like what Robbie said on the podcast, you know, they did all their homework. They, they showed them that respect. And, and you know, we, like you said, we've got a Livingston in the next round. And, and before you know it, you're in the quarterfinals. And, well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you could be <laughs> in the quarterfinals uh, one game away from getting to Hampton. And you know, all of this stuff, you know, sitting third, getting to Hampton, semifinals, finals, this is what Hearts fans want um, each and every season. And, and hopefully mm. we're on track for that this season. I think this all starts with, with Robbie Nielsen and his professionalism. It doesn't matter if it's Celtic, and as we record it, that's tomorrow for, for us, um, or, or who it is, Auchinleck. He, that was his, his, probably his, one of, as strong a team as, as you're going to name. And the, the, the appearance by Robbie on our podcast, my mum, I always send a link to my mum and dad um, for, for the podcast to make it easy for them. And my mum responded, just listen to, to, to Robbie. Always thought he sounded a bit mundane in interviews, but changed my mind after this. He came over totally differently. And I loved his comment about containers of players used to come over from Lithuania. Brilliant. Really enjoying these programmes and the banter and hearing about behind the scenes. So... I, I think it's it's important for us as well. And and before we had Robbie on, Ryan and me and you, we were kind of going between each other. What can we kind of ask that isn't already out there and hasn't already been asked about Robbie? And and I thought he came over very well. And I think it also came over um, pretty strongly that he would love nothing more 
than to win silverware as manager of Hearts. And that professional performance after a professional approach to go down there, I'm not going to share the back and forward between him and I as far as the week before is concerned, but let's just say he got a bit of stick. He went down the Saturday before. Um, Auchinleck were playing. They won by three goals to two. He got stick over his clothing. He got stick. What the fuck are you doing here? Did you get lost or something? But he just took it in good heart. Robbie, but that's how professional... He didn't want someone else to go down there. He wanted to go down there himself to see what he had. And even afterwards, in the interview on BBC, when a, a fan in the crowd, an Auckland fan, said, so I hope you get Hibs in the next round and you get pumped. And he goes... "But I don't know if he actually heard what was said at the time, but he, he said straight away, ah, it's probably a Harps fan. He's well aware <laughs> of everything. And, and I, I'm happy that we've, we've, got, we've got Robbie in charge right now. And uh, I thought the professional... Um, the professional approach paid dividends at Beechwood. It did. I mean, looking at the team, uh, as what you mentioned, John Souter was out with a <clears throat> ankle injury. Um, ben Woodburn out with COVID. Benny Beningame back on the bench, which was good to see. Boyce back fit again to start. And uh, Nathaniel Atkinson given his debut as well. So Hearts went with a fourth, uh, sorry, a 3-4-3 formation with Gordon and Goals, Smith dropping into the centre of defence alongside Halkin, Kingsley, Atkinson right, Cochrane left, Haring and Devlin in the centre, and Mackay and Halliday supporting Liam Boyce in attack mm. in front of 1,400 fans at Beechwood Park. Uh, interesting selection in terms of Halliday, probably the only big surprise. Maybe people will say Suter being out was a big surprise, but... Uh, Let's not bother getting into that just now because we don't know what might happen by the time people are listening or by the end of this week. But Halliday coming in in a more attacking role was an interesting choice. It worked, didn't it? Yes. Mm. Thought he was good. Thought he was really good. Yeah, no, he's, not I did. Your, he's not your starting every week guy, but I think that says a lot about Andy Halliday in that he probably knows now at his age. I mean, he, he's desperate to do well in the Scottish Cup. There's a couple of articles about him yeah. um, recently. He's, he's, he would love nothing better than to go all the way and, and win a trophy. But it says a lot about him in that he's not going to start every week. But when he does, I mean, that, that's a super delivery from our Rolls-Royce, Barry Mackay. But you couldn't have, he you couldn't have placed that better. Someone said he probably headed it too well. I don't know what they mean because it was it was inch perfect in the postage stamp. But he, his all round game was good, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, it was very good. It was very very good, and you can see why people in and around the club um, hold him in such high esteem in terms of his professionalism. You know, I don't know training, but to not be playing every single week and then be able to get chucked in and put in performances like he does. You know, he's mm -hmm. not doesn't set the world on fire, but he's very rarely let hearts down. It's all credit to him. And, and you need those players in your squad. You're not going to have everyone starting every week. And then you're going to have players that aren't happy and, you know, all that. But he just seems that, that type of character that knows his role within that squad. And that's so important to have. You know, he, he, like you said, he probably knows that he's not going to start if everyone's fit. But he also knows that when he does get that chance, that he wants to be ready. And and I think you get that a lot with players that have played at the big clubs because they know that that's what's happened. And, and if you look out through his career, he's been at Middlesbrough, he's down at Bradford, scored at Stamford Bridge, at Rangers. You know, he, he will be um, invaluable in terms of passing on that knowledge of, of what it takes to, to be that kind of player, to the young players, to know that you know, you're not, you're not going to play every single week, but that means that you can't train Monday to Friday 
like you're not going to play. You still need to train like you're going to be playing. And, and it sounds stupid me saying that, and it probably sounds silly for you know, everyone listening, but if you know you're not going to play at the week, it's human nature to slightly take your foot off the gas or maybe not focus or maybe not concentrate. But as you get older and with experience, you realize that football changes so quickly. You know, one injury, one bad performance you know, from a starter, a red card, means that you're thrown in and you can't then just switch that on. You need to have done that over weeks, months and training sessions. So, yeah, you know, I just think that was massive credit to him. And, uh, and like you said, I think there's been some talks about you know, a, a new contract for, for next season. And, and I think as a, uh, an SBL player and, and someone in and around the club, I think he probably deserves a, to have another year at the club. And, and fingers crossed that we do well in the Scottish Cup and, and can tick a few boxes for him. Yeah, Halliday's header in the 14th minute after a lovely cross from Barry Mackay opened the scoring. Uh, Nathaniel Atkinson could have actually um, scored early on, but we'll get to decisions in just a moment. One that was flagged <laughs> offside for Boyce, but he came he came close shortly after the opening goal. After a nice pass from Halliday, it was a well-controlled volley, which was um, well saved by Andrew Leishman in the, the Talbot goal. He had a, he had a good game, um, Atkinson, and I think he seemed to thrive, Ryan, in the position that was albeit a right wing-back role, but he was basically a winger. I can see him really enjoying matches where Hearts are either at home or they're in matches that are on the front foot because he was just up and down that right side and he was getting into the box at times, getting on the end of diagonal crosses. And that's the kind of player that you spoke about um, that Hearts Hearts fans can expect to see. Yeah, yeah, I think that that was a perfect game. It was good from Robbie to, to throw him into that game because... You know, he'll be better for that 90 minutes. He'll be better for getting used to his teammates. Gets a small sample of, of Scottish football and you know, it sets him up perfectly for to, to hopefully play um, when tomorrow against yeah. Celtic. I don't know. I have no idea when that game your, is. Your time's all over the morning, place. night, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I think you've seen a glimpse of everything that, that he's good at. Um, you know, Like you said, he's a, a forward-thinking right wing-back. He enjoys the attacking part of the game, but at the same time, he's um, you know can, can put a tackle in. Doesn't mind getting his hands dirty, and um, yeah, I have really, really high hopes for him, and I think he'll be a very, very good player for Hearts. Laurie, have we decided what we think we're going to do when Benny Beningamy, who's available for the Celtic game, starts, and Cami Devlin starts, and Peter Haring starts? Who's who's missing out here, and do do we play? Mackay off Boyce and kind of still give the wing backs the freedom to get forward knowing there's three centre backs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't start Benny. I wouldn't start Benny yet. No, I'm saying I, I wouldn't start him against Celtic. He's been out for a while. But there's going to come a time where I'm sure all three of them will probably start a game. Haring, Devlin and Beningamy. So what do we do with, with the formation? Do we do a 3-5-1-1 or how is it two from three going forward? What do we do? I would suggest in a game like, not necessarily like Auckland, like Talbot, but a game if we're at home in a match that we're expected to dominate and set the tone and attack. Um, you don't need you all might, three. You wouldn't play all three because no, I think no. it works perfectly. Like it. Obviously, there's matches such as Aberdeen away, uh, Livingston away in the first half where we saw we got overrun because we do, we didn't have enough bodies in there. We will have to adjust and you probably would have three of them in there and maybe Haring sitting behind or 
they'd rotate who would sit. So yeah, I think it's it's a good option to have, but it can be tough. And Ryan will, you know, Ryan will know this himself from from playing. It can be tough if you've got everyone fit and you've got players who expect to be starting, and you know, you know, he was just talking about it there with Halliday's attitude. You know that someone has to miss out, and then if the other two players are always playing well and the team's playing well, how do you then change it? So it does become a bit of a tough one. You need a squad, but you can't guarantee everyone will start every week. So it's in some ways it's a, a good headache to have for a manager. I think it is. Because, I, I think it adds an extra plan as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think I think Robbie has, has said it a couple of times on the podcast how his 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 preference is a three four three. We've seen you mentioned the Livingston game where he, he brought off was it Woodburn I think and he put on Peter Haring yeah. in that game um, and and kind of went more tighter in midfield with with more numbers in there. Uh, I think we we have an option to play four at the back to to change things if if the three four three isn't working. But I also think we've got this three five one one, and I, I, I think you're right as well. I think games at Ibrox or Celtic Park where we don't want to be seen as too defensive, but you want to be able to get possession back. and And what I like about Devlin and Beningami and Haring as well. They're not just breakers up of the play. I think they're pretty good with the ball at the feet. I mean, I've been impressed. We talk about Barry Mackay's passing and his range of passing is just phenomenal. But I wouldn't rule out Haring or Devlin or or Beningamy. So for you two, the question would be, rate them one, two, and three, (laughs) Devlin, Haring, and Beningamy over their passing ability. Ryan, what do you reckon? Yeah, just passing. Devlin, Haring, Beningamy, one, two, three, Best passer to third best passer. Who you got, Ray? Oh, that's tricky. Because um, they're all slightly different. Yeah, you know, I, I think Cami mm-hmm. gets on the ball and, and keeps it ticking. You know, he, you know, side to side, those little ten yard forward passes that break the line. Whereas Haring's got that my sort three. of longer ball. Yeah, go on. Haring, Devlin, Benny. When it comes to passing. Okay, but I'd, I would reverse that when it comes to ball winning. That's different. That wasn't the question, but I, I see what you mean. I don't, I, I don't know how Harrings, much is Harrings, I would say Haring's definitely the best passer of the three. I think the other I two, so. the other two, um, I, I was kind of debating in my head, and I'm kind of just thinking of like snippets. Um, I'd have to mm. have a proper. It's not something I've thought too much about. But I think Haring's definitely got better range of passing I think is what you know when Ryan was touching those long passing I, I think he's got better distribution but he's not got that he's not the same level of that kind of snapping at your heels that that Cami and um, Benny are like I think in terms yeah, of I think, ball I th- winning midfielders I think if you're looking for a player because we want to get the ball quickly get it forward as quick as possible and I think the best one to do that to get it to Barry Mackay quickly to take it from Halka or from Kingsley or from Suter or whoever is Peter Haring because I, I just think awareness of, of the game. I mean, he's more experienced. I get that. Um, and I, I just love the fact because I, I, I'd be intrigued to see privately he'd kind of worried that he was done or he wouldn't be able to play at the same level. I don't think he's far off, if even at that same level. I, I think he might be back to, to where he's he been, was before. He's been fantastic. He's, he's been, been brilliant. fantastic the last and, month and or two. The, the only thing that could be better about all the players we've signed up so far is adding Peter Haring to that. And I, mm-hmm. I'd like to think they're not far away from that because I think he's happy where he is. But it's as, as someone that was brought back 
probably when he shouldn't have been to play in the cup final in 2019 and then missed over a year and, and whatever. It is so good to, to have Peter Haring back there. And we were waxing lyrical earlier this season. Oh, Devlin and Beningame is brilliant. I mean, no one can take their place. They both, I mean, I think Benny's the one right now that's that's facing the biggest fight to, to get into the side because yep. I'm not dropping Haring and I'm not dropping Devlin right now. So that's a good problem to have for Robbie. No, 100%. Um, going back to the, the match, obviously it was 2 0 through um, a Liam Boyce penalty, which wasn't really contested too much. And he just rolled it in before having a bit of fun with the Talbot fans. And that was the scoreline at half time. Um, the officiating oh, in this Jesus. match. So uh, we'll, we'll touch upon some of the, we'll touch upon the goals in the second half in a moment. But now. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I said this during commentary. I, you know, neither Rob Borthwick or myself. We don't like to focus too much on refereeing decisions because things happen. Um, Hearts should have been one 0 up friends. when Atkinson rolled it to Boyce. <sighs> it, it should have been onside, but you maybe say it's a it, it's a tougher one because he's he's behind the ball slightly. But as it happens, but some of the calls in this one, like the offside close to the end of the set of the first half, uh, oh, you know, I burst true. out. I burst out laughing because the. <laughs> The, the assistant's got the penalty box as a, a guide and he's got the the Talbot defenders in the box and Liam Boyce is outside the box. He's actually onside when he receives the ball and it was given offside. Um, there's a handball where Craig McCracken jumps and punches the ball out. He has two hands in the air, punches it out and the goal kick is given somehow. So um, I don't know what the, Greg Aitken thought had happened. And in the second half, there was an offside that was just as bad as that one in the first half where I think it was Boyce again was possibly about two yards behind the defender. Um, and I know I think most people were kind of in agreement when we were having a moan about this on Twitter, but some people were saying, no, it's a tough job. And this is when VAR gets talked about, but I'm like, that's an easy excuse. I mean, I don't know. It was this sort of head in my hands, almost bursting out laughing at it. And, you know, I said during commentary, we can laugh about this because hearts are winning comfortably. It looks like they're going to go through comfortably. But if, if that hadn't gone that way, if that had been a game that hearts had ended up losing, then it would be an absolute, you know, it would be being talked about like mad over the next few days because it was just let's, ridiculous. Let's get stuck into this. Okay. The offside. Now, I can understand why the ball that ended up in the back of the net was given as an offside, because it looked pretty close. It, <laughs> there was a bit of dubiety there. It was probably onside, but the, the whole element of probably probably on, probably off, you can maybe give the benefit of the doubt for that one. The one where Boyce is clearly a, at least a yard and a half, two yards onside, there's, there's no excuse for that. So that's when I'm thinking, oh, it's not going to be one of those days, is it? If I had a choice of... One of the decisions being corrected from 2012 when they scored and it was clearly onside, <laughs> or from 2022 when we scored and it was, or we 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 had that attack and it was clearly onside, that was a screw up. You can't even blame the referee's assistants for getting hair in their eyes because they were both bald. So it was just <laughs> it was a bad day at the office. But I want to clear something up, and it's thanks to the wonderful Jordan Allen, who does the Jay Allen films and films games for hearts and puts out two and a half, three minutes every week. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. You asked the question, I don't know what Greg Aitken was thinking. I'll tell you exactly what he was thinking because Jordan Allen filmed Greg Aitken. It's this oh, week's yeah. kind of recap. He filmed Greg Aitken, the referee, who's basically pointing to his own head as if to say, No, no, he headed it away. 
This, <laughs> do you want someone like Greg Aitken or Kevin Clancy or Nick Walsh, who we had last week? Do you want them in charge of video assistant referee teams? Come on. They probably wouldn't screw that up, but they were just atrocious. And as you quite rightly said, thank goodness that it didn't have a, a, a kind of an out, uh, like a, a big say on, on proceedings because that was, that was atrocious. Maybe we need to write to the SFA with, with eight <laughs> mistakes that were made. And then well, the Daily Record picks up and, and puts a stupid tweet out saying, he's been axed from the... No, he's not Daily Record. Jesus. Anyway. Oh, rant. Well, I, th- I, I think um, the, the boys' third goal was actually offside as well. Um, when I looked at when I froze, I couldn't tell at the time, but when I looked at the replay and paused it, I think that was offside. And I think he must have been saying, I think he must have been saying that Hanning had headed it because he didn't give a corner either. He gave a goal kick. Uh, but anyway, it was just one of those games... I don't know if you can you think of any. Uh, I, know I can I think of a, two, a few off the top of my head, Ryan. But any big calls in matches that you and your teammates have just tried to make sure the referees well aware of or or keep badgering them about back in the day. I remember the one at um, Tynecastle where I think it was Stephen Elliott scored against Celtic oh, over the line one. Yeah, yeah, and I was right there, and I I just felt that it was so of ob- ob- being like so close to it. I just couldn't remember that. I couldn't believe that he didn't give it, and then they went straight down the other end and, and scored. That's a funny one. One of the I'm, biggest one that I played in. I remember actually saying that. I remember that showed the view of the assistant, and it was like a congested six-yard box. And obviously, he's got then the post and the net and everything. And I, I thought that. See, although I'm not a big VAR fan, I think goal line technology just has you have to have that because it's such a black and white thing, and it can be quite tough. You know, if the referee's not, if the referee's kind of edge of the box watching on, and the assistants, um, obviously you often get the kind of fifth official, don't you, in, in bigger games these days. But if the assistants at the line with seven or eight players in the box, even if it's clearly over the line, it can be quite tough sometimes. I think. Um, I don't know why I'm defending a a goal we didn't get against Celtic about ten years ago. <laughs> well, did the Tibbs yeah. not have a couple that were way over oh, the line? And, and well, the given it. The Griffiths one Easter over the latest because yeah. that was about three <laughs> yards. <over the> line. <laughs> Actually, hit the back of the net near enough and came back. But there is no argument. There is no argument whatsoever. Did the ball cross the line or did he not? There can be an argument with offside or who's drawn the lines and, and when was the ball played through. That can enter the realms of subjectivity, but there is no argument with that. But we've—I don't want to go back down the same road of kind of. Oh, remember that time we got done by that or we got away with that <laughs> or whatever. The the couple that I know we're playing Celtic. Um, Tomorrow, our time as we as we kind of record this, but the Takis Fesis dismissal, the John Guidetti uh, penalty. There's there's been ones in, in that one, and uh, even even going back, fouls and goalkeepers in semi finals. Kyogo's offside days. goal in the last game we played them. Yeah, but I want to I want to clear something up, and I want to get Ryan's take on this as well. Uh, maybe it's to do with the fact that in in Scotland there is this kind of well, they either favour Rangers or they favour Celtic, and and, and blah, blah, blah. There there comes a time, Ryan, where it's the... How can I put this? The the, the referees are called into question um, about their honesty. I, I, I cannot buy that at all. I just think when you're having a bad day or you're incompetent, we have got the best that we're likely to have in Scottish football. The problem is it isn't good. And that's the problem. When you're calling into question... Um, a referee's honesty or anything like that, 
I can understand pressure about playing at Ibrox or Celtic Park. It's like a fighter from the UK or outside the America going to Vegas, and they always say, well, you've pretty much got, it's got to knock him out to, to get a decision here. When you played at Rangers and Celtic, probably those two more than anywhere else, did you feel that the referees were unduly influenced by the noise of the crowd rather than than kind of, oh, wait a minute here, there's something a wee bit fishy about this. Surely there's never been anything that you can you can relate to that you thought, hold on a minute here, this isn't right. This is just pure shite refereeing. No, I don't I don't think so. Um, I just think that it, it's it's the backlash that comes from it. You know, if it's uh, Hearts against St. Johnson and there's a couple of mistakes, it's, you know, one column in the paper and, and nothing's really spoken about. Whereas if it's a decision that goes against Celtic or Rangers and they end up dropping points, it's radio nonstop for the next fucking five years. It's all the newspapers. It's like what you said, it's letters getting sent. It, it, there's just a lot more scrutiny on those decisions. But, um, yeah, I, I, I even found my time. A, a lot of the refs um, in Scotland are pretty good. You, know, you, you can not chat to them as such, but... Um, I think I've told that story before about Willie Collum. I used to, he comes across as someone that's like very arrogant on the pitch, but a he dick. does have a few quick. Yeah, he does. But I remember <laughs> um, he had, we'd been watching the Champions League. I think I was at Dundee United at the time. And um, I'd watched the Champions League game and he was doing the Champions League, <laughs> still the Champions League game during the week. And so we playing on the Saturday and I think it was against Celtic and, like that, he'd given him a few soft decisions. I remember running past him and saying, fucking hell, Willie, I can't believe you fucking refereeing in the Champions League and you're putting in a performance like this. <laughs> he kind of like turned around and looked and didn't really say anything. And then I'd given away a foul and he came running over to me and he goes, I can't believe you've played in a fucking World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Willie? Uh, Willie the I, remember, I remember just being like, oh, all right. Okay, that's fair enough. But that, that, he's, he's got your immediate respect there, of course. So he's got the respect. It's yeah, like, but it's a lot like of the, them are, yeah, a lot of them are, are you know, like I've, I've said millions of times, like, come on, that's not a yellow. And he's like, well, I, obviously, I think it is a yellow, or I, I think it's a foul. I'm not just blowing my whistle because for the sake of blowing the whistle, I'll give him fouls. He's like, I've seen it at that time. And, and then I've had a lot, I had Bobby Madden maybe like two or three weeks later when I've met him saying, oh, hey, hey, gals, that you know, yellow card that I gave so-and-so last week, I've looked back at it. Yeah, I can understand your point. Maybe not a yellow card, but from from my view and from what I've seen and what my assistants were telling me, it was a yellow card. So, And I think if we didn't have these decisions, like what would we talk about? You know, that's, just, that's sometimes my thing. We're with talking VAR about the three is, goals in the second half. <laughs> we'll get yeah. to them. We'll get but to them. Hold VAR, on. Even VAR. Like VAR has been all over the world bar Scotland and they're still talking about VAR getting it wrong and VAR not I wouldn't going want to, it wrong. Yeah, I, I don't I think it's, yeah, it. I don't think it's, I, I think sometimes people in Scotland are going to be like, this going to help. I've been in games. I, I played in Kuwait last week. We had like 12 minutes added on because of how long it took VAR. Like, can you imagine in Scotland when it's like stopped, everyone's waiting, the ref runs over to the screen and then getting back to the pub and realizing that they all made a mistake. It's just, I think that they should just do without it. Goal line technology, yes, because that's a big uh, 100%. massive change. But VAR, unless you have somebody that's actually doing VAR properly, it can cause more problems than it's worth. There you go. It's just it's just shifting the blame from a referee who can sue. I'm not sure about that. Then the then the VAR makes the wrong decision because we've Mike Riley and and the team of of English referees and officials that have made such a a James Hunt of that since implementing it. Um, 
it, it's not perfect. It is human error. And I just think there's still part of me when a goal goes in in England or a game that I'm watching, even commentating on matches when VAR, I do Bundesliga and Serie A um, and, and La Liga, and there's times where you, you you do have to say it's a goal for now because you don't know if the assistant's going to raise his flag or, or whatever. And it's it can be frustrating. But what I want to say for Greg Aitken and for Kevin Clancy and whatever, they would have gone home and they would have watched their performance. They wouldn't have been happy with their performance. Or you'd like to think not. Greg Aitken and his assistants would have gone back and would have, I hope, watched highlights, or I certainly hope it was pointed out to them. They wouldn't need to be told they had a bad decision. They know if they continue doing that, then they're not going to be refereeing at that level for, for much longer. So I think we, we have to be careful here and we don't want to ostracize them to an extent because I don't want to be in a situation where we have to go to other clubs and, sorry, other countries to, to get referees from, from there. We have to help referees get better. It's easy identifying problems. We have to come up with a solution. Would full-time referees be better? I don't know, is, is the, the, the honest truth. Because you have an ability. Ryan's got an ability that will get him to a level. I've got an ability that will get me to a level. Same with Laurie. Same with everybody. There's only so far that you can go. And if there's no one else available in the refereeing circles to come in and do better, it's not a case of saying we're stuck with them. Why can't we help them be better? Because if they know that they've been shite, They've got to be told, I think, how they can be better. That's where the problem arises. Let's not focus yeah. on the referees too much. <sighs> I mean, we've, we, we've focused on them a lot already. So, Arts did emerge comfortably victorious, thanks to three further goals in the second half. Andy Halliday with a lovely cross, which was headed in by Liam Boyce, who's now up to 13 goals for the season and very good chance he would feel touch would mark you know injuries <laughs> do happen but at the moment um a decent opportunity to become the first player since a certain mr john robertson to reach 20 yeah, goals maybe in a season isn't it it's absolutely frightening that it's been that long since we've had someone that reached 20 i just hope he stops scoring not stop scoring in the cup but because <laughs> that would screw us probably but if he could um if he could get as many goals in the league as well for those of us on a, a big amount for for top scorer, a wrong price. He's mm -hmm. a player who, I mean, I'm led to believe it was a different calf. So uh, we've just got to be careful with him. Um, yep. I'm, not, I'm not saying we do to him what we were doing with Andy Halliday and he only plays certain games. But if we're in a position, I mean, let's take a look at the, the game at Beechwood at the weekend. He, he scores a couple of goals. Eight minutes. Okay, maybe he could have been taken off a little bit earlier because we were already in a, a comfortable um, position at 3-0 up after 51. Again, how do we manage him knowing we've got a game in midweek against Celtic? Not having a go or anything like that. I'm just saying going forward, if he's done his job. But I think that's been the case for a while, hasn't it? Because Boyce, remember when he was getting no support, so he was doing twice the work and he was he was tiring in the last kind of half hour of games. I just think we have to manage him. Not manage him better, just manage him. And Robbie will know that. The coaching staff will know that as well. But he makes such a difference. And I'll be intrigued when the window closes if he remains the only kind of main striker we have on our books or if we are able to go out and, and get someone. And I hope we do, because I think that would give Liam Boyce the opportunity to be given more rest 
um, than he's currently getting right now. And, and hopefully that would help the, the injuries going forward. 10 minutes left, Hearts added a fourth. A lovely goal from back to front. Uh, Kingsley eventually getting the ball forward to Boyce. Back to Devlin, who'd been involved early on. He slips it to the substitute, McInef, who then rolled it through for Haring for a, a fine finish. Really good goal. And I think, Ryan, that probably shows the confidence in that Hearts team. You know, it's uh, obviously it's a, a knock and lick Talbot team. It's a six-tier team, but really nice move from, from back to front. And you feel like a lot of these players are getting on the same wavelength now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think that's probably part of Robbie's planning in terms of it was a really good opportunity to get Atkinson in, to get the boys all used to each other and, and to work on some, you know, sort of forward passing and forward uh, attacking sets of play against, uh, you know, a decent opponent. And I think the scoreline shows that, but at the same time, it was just really good to see us scoring some real high quality goals and, yeah, just what Mark said. I would be really interested to see if they who they bring in or if they are going to bring in a striker. What happens with with Boyce and um, in the future? And I think the benchmark of of this three four three, the thing that I like to see the most in this three four three, yes, wing back to wing back, wing back to wing back. Seven minutes Goal. left. Natty Aka comes in from the right. Lovely touch past the defender. Rolls it across the box, and there's Cochrane to tuck it away. I think that's. When you say the three four three is at its best, because that's what you want is your wing backs becoming wingers, overloading. Because who are the who do who are the defenders picking up? They have got three attacking players. They have got two central midfielders. Mm. If you, you can't pick up the wing backs, um, I just I don't know. I just love when you see that in the system. I think it shows when it's working at its, at its finest, and that's all I need to say on that. Um, and it was the biggest away win for Hearts in uh, just over thirty years. Incidentally, Mark's already stolen that thunder, so I uh, won't. No, I, I, I left you to provide the details. Since since Hearts defeated St. Johnston mm. at McDermott Park in the league in December 1991 by five goals to nil. And why was it particularly memorable, that game, apart from the, the scoreline mark? It was because one of my favourite things to happen in football occurred. An outfield player in goal. Yes. Mm. <laughs> As, I can't remember who, whoever said it, but Tommy Turner was once described as having a face like a battered fart, which is, 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 is quite the phrase. Um, it's a hell of a phrase. It is a hell of a phrase. It's like, it's like he'd been on 40 regal king size a day since, <laughs> since he, he was born. Um, let me tell you a story I've not told on this podcast before. It's just come to me because I don't normally talk about Tommy Turner. Used to work with Robbie Muster over here at ESPN. He's now at NBC, and um, it, it, we were prior to a game one day. It's, I'd mentioned Scotland, or um, I think going down to Middlesbrough Hearts in '95, and he goes, "Oh, that reminds me of a story. We were playing pre-season against St Johnston, and he was at Middlesbrough one year. I thought, all right. He goes, they had this haggard-faced midfielder who was. He probably looked about fifty years older than he actually was. I said, it's got to be Tommy Turner. Mustache. I said, aye. He goes, 10 minutes into the game, and he turned to me. I'd just managed to play a ball through or whatever. So he turned to me at the restart, and he said, you fucking English. And I was like, oof. He goes, you're all fuds and poofs. <laughs> I was like, he said, he said, what? He says, I couldn't understand. I had to get someone to say, what's he just said? But he was a nasty little bugger in the middle of the park. And then for him to go in goal, 
uh, Hearts fans were already taunting him because uh, that's what you did with Tommy Turner. And there was a lot of Hearts fans there. I think it was uh, kind of between Christmas and New Year. And Lindsay Hamilton gets sent off for handling outside the box. Tommy Turner goes in goal and we win 5 0. And funnily enough, that, as Laurie's saying, is our biggest away win for, for 30 years. Before we move on, just to mention if we're talking about players uh, looking much older than, than what they are. If you've not looked up before, look up uh, the, the Twitter account, which is 80s footballers aging badly. Um, it, <laughs> it's, it's always worth a laugh, and some of them will, some of them will astound you. I, I promise you that. Look it up. 80s footballers aging badly on Twitter. I highly recommend it. Okay, let's move on. I've got a couple of, couple of bits of mail to go through actually what? before we look ahead yes well I hope they I hope they included a stamped addressed envelope <laughs> if they wanted a signature from McGowan of the electronic kind it's not quite the same you know you used to get the TV shows and they'd let have a big bag full of full of letters and they could just dip in and take one out I wish we could do that albeit I've only got two bits of mail so it wouldn't be a very big bag but you know what I mean um, so uh, let's see first up I've got an email here from a Rob Keith who says hey guys I am a relatively new Hearts fan having discovered the club on a trip to Edinburgh in 2010 I was living in Germany at the time but I am back home in the US anyway I'm an avid reader and I'm really interested in learning about the history of the club or more about the history of the club my wife surprised me with The Team for Me by Mike Smith for Christmas, and I'm wondering what other books I should get into. Oh, God, here we go. Mark's going to start mentioning a certain one. Um, I'd appreciate any recommendations you could provide. Uh, I love the podcast. Also enjoy Laurie's Calls on Hearts TV. I'd also be interested in finding any other fellow Jambos who happen to live in the Nashville, Tennessee area. Thanks, and keep up the great work. That's Rob Keith, who's based in Nashville. So, Mark, can you still get your book? Which one? <laughs> Which one? You know the one. <laughs> well, Maroon Heart. don't think that kind of troubled the judge when it came to the top sales of the year, but Gary Mackay's autobiography or Believe or, or Stevie or Paul's book. I take it you're talking about Believe. It's probably in bargain bookstores or available on Amazon for a pence. Is it not? Well, maybe. I don't know. You tell me. I thought you were. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't believe know, Mark Donaldson. I've got a copy somewhere. I'll sell it to you. For, I'll, you'll, you'll sell it. You'll sell it to me. No, to <laughs> to Rob. To Rob. Oh, oh! It actually tells me that when I purchased this, I opened it. You, Three pounds sixty-four. You fucker! So you paid cover. for it? No, this is how much it is at the moment on Amazon. Is it? Yeah, it says I last purchased this item February twenty fourteen. Actually. Did you read it or did you just purchase it just for the sake of it? No, I'm still waiting for you to sign it. <laughs> no, I did read I was, it. It's good. It's very good. I'm, I'm, I'm taking. I'm not looking for. I'm not. I'm not looking for prayer. I mean, I'm just, I, I, I think it's interesting. I don't. I don't mean to look for praise, but <laughs> it's it's interesting looking back. I posted someone on on Twitter yesterday about Hart saying that a 35 million pound debt in May 2010 they could still spin that to make a positive from it. When you think of that and you think of the lists that Hearts had for for managers um, before George Burley came in, um, we've it's evolved a hell of a lot. Have, we, have Hearts as a club evolved, not the most, because 
Rangers as a club, because that's another debate. But over the past 15 years, we've got to be up there as a club for things that we've done and stories that can be told about that than, than other clubs that have just meandered their way through, haven't we? Because there's been a hell, there's been a hell of a lot of peaks and troughs from Hart Midlothian Football Club over the last 15 years. In terms of column inches, then... Then Jeez. yes, I mean there's been a lot of so that's that's a good one, Rob, to answer your question. You got believe it, Ryan, as someone who also came into Hearts from from afar. How would what would you say to Rob to to get himself more immersed in the club? It doesn't have to be a book, I suppose. It could be anything else. I so touching on that. So I stayed with um, a lady called Carol, who was a diehard. Um, Hearts fan and, and been to games home and away and so Rob um, should stay with Carol for a bit. No, not not possible. I'm just telling my little part of the story. Sorry, but, um, Claire's mom, isn't it? Claire's yes, Kevin's yeah. Mom. So and she always used to bring up that she only ever missed one game in I think it was like 40 years, and she always used to disappointedly look at Claire when she said it, and that was when she gave birth to Claire. <laughs> when, she, when, she was, when, she, when she delivered Claire, so she missed the Hearts game, and that really that really annoyed her that, that the one game that she'd missed in you know 50-odd years. So um, I, I just feel like I got immersed into that because of of her and her network of friends and, and how much you know results affected her you know, throughout the week and how excited she was going to games and, and then even little things. So like in and around the house, I had like 90 goals against kids. I had all the derby yeah, that's a good one. that yep. was in there. Um, you know, so just, I also love watching those, uh, the 90 goals against Tibbs, you know, back then, like Netflix wasn't available and things like that. So that was just good to, to see how much it means. I, I love when someone scores a goal and it shows you the crowd. I don't think, you, especially with my celebrations, I just think the, the, the camera should just pan to the crowd and that capsulates what football's about is you're just seeing thousands of people hugging everyone next to each other, people they've never met before. They're all there for those moments. And, um, yeah, I would recommend sort of watching those those types of videos, 90 goals against Hibs. The Hearts haven't really brought out any... DVDs recently, but you know, no, just sort of... I think in the modern era it's kind of tougher, isn't it? Because people just watch yeah. so many, watch so many things back just... online. You know, you know, I'd like right. at the end of the season if if um, Jordan Allen can kind of put together a a longer version that that would be a really good watch because he's doing that for every game, and and what what he does with with his his editing skills and whatever. I mean, that looks like it's a full kind of a full scale production. Yeah. So at the end of the season, I think it could be nice to look back on on the highs and the, and the lows. Uh, because if it's what two, what do we play a, a season? Forty odd games. Thirty in the league, and yeah, well, that's why I said forty odd. Um, so yeah, you, you're talking about a couple of hours worth. I think that'd be a good watch, and you could you could jazz it up and get a, get McGowan to voice it over or something like that. I think that'd be pretty good. Good <laughs> eye, boys and girls. Maybe. Well, there's some ideas for you, if you're up. So thanks for the email. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to do so. And there's plenty of content out there, I'm sure, to get you immersed in, in Heart of Midlothian. Uh, Kelman Chambers also emailed. I thought this would be a good one to touch on because um, Kelman's a long-time, long-time listener. He says, hi, guys. Great pod. Love the Ken Stott ep- episode, even if it did remind me of the embarrassment when I turned around when leaving Tynecastle, saw him and blurted out, Fuck me, it's Rebus. <laughs> 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 Just quite good. Um, 
A year ago, I sent a long email about our Scottish Cup tobacco, saying it was time for Robbie to go. I remember this. I think we spoke about it on the, on yeah. the podcast. Um, so I thought it was only fair to admit I was wrong. This season, our recruitment has been superb. Our style of play has been mainly entertaining. Uh, even Barca in the prime wouldn't have, would have struggled to get through St. Johnston's back defence. Ten players <laughs> the width of the box condensed into a 20-yard area. And most importantly, the results have been very good. Yes, we've dropped a few silly points, Dundee at home, St. Johnston and Ross County away, but we've also picked up a point at Ibrox and beaten Celtic, both with late goals. We seem to have a squad who are tight and want to play for each other. From a business point of view, we also seem to be building up a squad on contracts that can make us a few quid. All in all, I think we should all be fairly happy at the moment. I know I am. Keep up the good work. And that's Kelvin. And he just adds, P.S., any chance you can get any more of Gowser's teammates on, him and Driver were like two naughty kids and that so pod good, was it? hysterical. So it's very good, very magnanimous as well. And we have to say that, you know, Mark, we, we can't drag Ryan into this because he wasn't on when we were doing this, but both of us said that we felt Robbie's time was up um, at that uh, point during the Brora and the um, Queen of the South, that episode, we felt it was, that there wasn't much other choice. And, I think he's proven lots of people wrong. Mm. I don't want this to be an episode of revisionism and whataboutery and, and deflection. And No, we never said that. It's there. The, the whole back catalogue of Scarves Around the Funnel is available. Uh, and that would be another thing for our uh, our friend in Tennessee if you, if you wanted to go back, and whether it's ours or, or any of the other Hearts podcasts, the whole back catalogue is there and you can pick it up from, from wherever you want. And, and going back to that, I remember the email that Kelman said, and I love the fact he's been magnanimous to, to, to send in um, that response. Um, I, I think it is difficult to find anybody back then. I'm sure there were, there were one or two, but certainly the majority were like, this can't go on. This, this is such a low ebb. But ultimately, Kudos has to go to the board for sticking by a plan which could easily go on the other way. We, we could be in St. John- I mean, St. Johnson won two cups last year. Look at them now. They've just been knocked out by Kelty Hearts so the Scottish Cup. They're bottom of the table and, and they're in an absolute mess. It's kind of reminiscent of when we were in that position before the, the pandemic um, stopped football. So I think you, you've got to give credit to the board um, and Ann Budge for the decision that was made in that, look, we gave him an ultimatum. This is what we want you to achieve. We want to go up as quickly as possible, i.e. this year, get us back up and not saying anything else is a bonus, but that's that's what happened. And I'm, I'm just pleased that patience was there because I'm sure most of us would have pulled the trigger. And the fact that they didn't, they have been rewarded. And as long as we can now look back and not not hold grudges and say, well, that's the way I thought then, and I refuse to, to change my mind. No, we should all be allowed to, to kind of change our mind if we think we've made the right decision at one time, but time goes on to tell that it was the wrong decision, what we would have suggested doing. So thank you, Kelman, for that. I appreciate it. And for Gowser, who's who's up next then? What, the manager? <laughs> no, not them. Jesus. Did they get temps yeah. on. Yet you were you and him were thick as thieves back in the day, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, and he's not well, he's normally got a pretty good memory, but I don't know what he's like now. We have some good stories from from back in the day when us two weren't we used to be the uh, the odd ones out, 
would be there. So A team would be on the bench and they used to take 20. So it would always be me and him that were in the stands. <laughs> would be in the stands getting bombed from the squad. So there was, um, uh, yeah, he was a good guy. It would be good to have him on. Here's, here's good, one for you, Ryan. What about Dylan? Yeah, you get Dylan on. I, I think yeah. that would be good. Yeah. And ask him about Kloppenberg. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so a lot of things because he was he was there he had that difficult season once I left yep. the administration and and everything that would happen so um yeah he, he'll come on you got for a number sure. for him get him on <laughs> uh, I might need to try and find his number <laughs> <laughs> deleted after that Derby record Jabe uh, oh, we will- yeah, he won't let me down Thank you for the email, Kelman, and we will we will certainly yeah. um, hopefully have a few more of of Gowser's teammates on in the the coming weeks and months. Okay, finally, before we go, we'll have a look ahead to. Um, uh, there's probably going to be three matches before we're before we're back on. Uh, nine points out of nine. Nothing less is acceptable. Otherwise, so- the manager has to go. <laughs> so uh, we've got the derby next week. We've got Motherwell obviously on Saturday as well. Uh, first up is Celtic, so there's no point in us focusing on all three games and doing predictions because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, results, injuries, etc., suspensions possibly could affect the the next game. So there's no point in us looking ahead too far. So we'll, we'll have a quick focus on on Celtic. It is such a busy schedule, though. I mean, it's um, those three games. Then it's Ibrox uh, after the derby, and then that's followed by another midweek game against Dundee. So it's five games in just over two weeks coming up, which will make it six matches and less than three weeks if you include the the Talbot game um, but this Celtic game is a big one Mark and you know it's always a big game to an extent when Hearts play Celtic but if you look at the table we're not expecting to be challenging for the title but it would be nice to, to close the gap a little bit on them and they've obviously got their, their title aspirations but a little bit um, a little bit of a team selection issue for for Ange Postacoglu just now with Captain Callum McGregor out with that facial injury after taking a blow against Alawa. Uh, Kyogo still out with a hamstring injury. Um, Maeda is away on international duty. Tom Rogic is away on international duty. Um, and a couple other players were forced off at the weekend. Iriguchi and Abada. So is this an opportunity the Hearts need to take the game to Celtic in this match? I think they need to do what they did in the first game of the season. I think it's a good time to get them with all the players missing that you mentioned. And I think we it's not a case of worrying about them. I think we just have to do our own thing. And that's another thing I like about Robbie's style of management in that, he, yes, he's well aware of what the opposition can do, but he doesn't. he's not up at night worrying about what Celtic might be doing or what Hebs might be doing or Motherwell in the next game. He's, he's, he knows if he can set his team up the way he wants to, I, I think... I think you watch that, whether it's the highlights or the full game again or the first game of the season, that's what you want. I thought that was a really good time. And it wasn't, I don't think that was a big surprise, Hearts winning that day um, with a new manager at Celtic and everything like that. They'd come in, they'd look defensively shaky in their Champions League qualifier. This will be tough. And I would take a point right now. Um, I, I would certainly take a point right now. But we've got a chance of getting all three, so why not? Yeah, Ryan, looking at Celtic, you know, we've, I know we've spoken to you about this before because you know um, Celtic manager reasonably, reasonably well having worked under him before and we've seen it from, from recent meetings Celtic are very good attacking players they're good going forward they like to get as many bodies forward as possible the 
fullbacks become um, almost attacking midfielders at times. But they are very shaky at the back. And I think there was some frustration from maybe the last meeting at Celtic Park and maybe the last two meetings from Celtic Park where Hearts sat off for long spells, but when they actually got forward and tested the back line, they didn't look convincing at all. I mean, I know against Alawa, it was Stephen Welsh and um, Carl Starlfelt again. It's a back line, which is probably their main weakness, isn't it? So I think you've said it before and you'll probably say it again. Is this another case of the best best form of defence here would be attack? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Especially, they're going to have a few players that are coming in that haven't played like you said there's a there's, they're going to have to make a few changes which sometimes you can catch them a little bit cold the way that they want to play <clears throat> it's a lot of a lot based on being fluid and, and moving into different positions and being all on the same wavelength and when you add a two or three into that team that have maybe not up to that speed or maybe not played as you know the, the Japanese boys coming in they've not played sort of how Celtic have been playing in the last you know couple of months um, and historically, Celtic always know that when they come to Tyne Castle, it's a it's, it's a hard game. Um, you know that doesn't matter if if Hearts have been down the bottom or if they're up, you know, challenging them. So you know they'll be expecting a, a really really difficult game, and, and it's one that I'm really looking forward to. I think Hearts are in, in a great position to to really go out and get a result. I think they're susceptible to pace at the back. I saw yeah. the game against Hibbs and Martin Boyle. Uh, I, I was. I wasn't frustrated. I mean, I, I, I wanted a decent game, and, and the early chance that was that was missed by Nisbet was was created by the pace of of Martin Boyle, which leads me to kind of think he might try and find a way to get Josh Janelli in, because I mm-hmm. think on the on the kind of left hand side, Celtic defensively, they they do play with uh, usually with a four, but they'll we've seen it before. They try and get their fullbacks in, and I think if we can if we can find a way to to keep. Um, their fullbacks pegged back. And it's not going to be possible for the 90 minutes because they normally spend most of the time on the front foot. But I just wonder if if Ginelli comes in, who makes way? Is it simply Halliday making way? And is it Smith, uh, Halkett and Kingsley at the back? Or is it Natty Atkinson making way with, with Suter um, partnering Halkett and, and Kingsley at the back? Um, I'll be intrigued to, to see what he does, but I, I, I do think that Josh Ginelli is a is a possibility because of the pace that, that that he has, Ryan. Laurie, I'm going to make two changes from the side that beat Celtic on the first game of the season. I'm going yep. to put Mackay in for Mackay Stephen. Yep. And I'm going to put Haring in for Beningamy. And I'm going to play Gordon and Goals, Suter, Halkett and Kingsley, uh, Smith, Haring. No, Nariaka. So- no, I've not. No, no, I've, I've, I'm keeping. I'm keeping Nariaka in. Uh, apart from uh, anything, apart from anything, I don't know if Suter will have recovered from his <coughs> ankle injury. I, 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 I get, I get the fact that we didn't. I don't, I don't believe the excuse, but I'm, I, I'm, I think he'll be a Rangers player when the transfer window shuts, and I think part of that was him not playing against Stock and Leg. And I think part of that was Rangers wanting him to play against Celtic because ultimately he's one of our best players. So why wouldn't you? So I, I think there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we'll never find out about. But I, I, Nayak is an interesting one, right? Because defensively, if it's purely down to Michael Smith or Nayaka, right, to play in that right wing back role, 
but you're basing it on defense. Who are you picking? Because how much do we know about Natiaka's defensive attributes? Who who would you pick, Ryan, between your pal or Michael Smith? Yeah, it, it is a tricky one. I don't know. I thought the Smith at right center back with him, right wing back, worked really well at the weekend. It did. Um, but then that means that you leave Suter out or do you put Suter in the middle of a back three, Halkett to the left and Kingsley left wing back? No, that's too many changes. When you, I mean, the, the easy thing here is just don't play Suter. Yep. Michael Smith at right center back yeah. and, and Natiaka yeah. at, at right wing back. But mm-hmm. Also true. You just won 5-0. Um, yeah, I, I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, I, I don't see why you wouldn't do that. Apart from anything, I mean, we've talked we've talked about Celtic. Celtic's weaknesses are, you know, the back the, in terms of defence rather than attack. I mean, I'm looking. I know they played Liam Scale, so I really don't know anything about. To be honest, they played him on the left side against Alawa. I know for I know he's not played there much for Celtic anyway. They played Greg Taylor um, against Hibbs the previous week, um, who. I know Celtic fans aren't overly enamoured by. So, no, and he played against Hearts, didn't he, in the first game of the season? And uh, I thought Janelli and Smith got at him. So why not? Why not test them? I, I, I would, I would happily keep. I would make one change to the team that um, defeated Ochenleck, and I would take. It's, it's a shame because he was probably our best player, but I'd probably take Halliday out, um, mm. and and maybe put maybe put Janelli in, but put someone else in into that attacking front three, but I mean, there would be a case for keeping the same team, even if it was a, obviously a non-league side that Hearts were playing. But no, I'd certainly, sure. I'd, I'd be keen to keep Nathaniel Atkinson in. I, I think the more you talk about something, the more you can, your mind kind of thinks, well, maybe that, that wasn't the right thing. If we're talking about attacking them with pace, Natty Aka's quicker than Michael Smith, isn't he? Yeah. So, I don't think, it, I look, I don't know how well you know him, Ryan. I don't get the impression from the interviews and the way that he played for his old club. I don't get the impression that he'd be phased at all by this. I think he would be raring to go in a game like this under the lights, Tynecastle midweek. I mean, that's yeah. that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's exactly why he would have wanted to come to, to Hearts is to play in these games. Yeah. So I would have no questions. He's also got a good temperament in terms of he doesn't shy away from anything, which I think you, you need. You need to be self-confident in being able to, you know, he won't be nervous. He'll be nervous to a certain extent, but he won't be nervous like, oh, this is Celtic and oh, this is a big game. He'll be like, this is an opportunity for me to really stamp my my footprint on this club and on this on such a big game. And, and he'll be wanting to yeah, make headlines in, in all the right ways. So I would have no, no doubt chucking him into a game of that magnitude tomorrow night. I did want to end on something slightly different again. I know we ended last week on this note, but I think it's I think it's obviously such an important thing to repeat. But um, I'll take something from the Hearts website here. It's in regards to obviously the very um, sad news about Devin Gordon, and, and Hearts posted something ahead of the Celtic game, which is Heart of Midlothian Football Club and Celtic Football Club will unite in memory of Devin Gordon on Wednesday night. Uh, 13-year-old Devon, a passionate heart supporter, tragically lost his life last week. His mum, Jen, is a much-loved member of staff at Tynecastle. Football was a massive part of Devon's life, and hearts and Celtic players will warm up in FC United to prevent suicide jerseys 
prior to Wednesday night's cinch premiership fixture at Tynecastle. FC United is a social movement of people from across Scotland, united in a shared belief that each and every one of us has a role to play in preventing suicide. Both clubs have come together to encourage people to talk, listen and help save lives. We ask any supporters of any club to talk to someone if they do not feel okay and we'll be sharing resources and contact numbers via club channels. Uh, They go on to mention at the end of this um, update, uh, the following services offer confidential support from trained staff and volunteers. You can talk about anything that's troubling you, no matter how difficult uh, it says Samaritans are there to listen 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and it's always free to call from any landline or mobile phone. So you can call 116-123 to talk to Samaritans, or you can email joe, that's just J-O, at samaritans.org. Call 111 to talk to NHS's 24-hour mental health hub. Um Call 0800 83 85 87 to talk to Breathing Space or go to their website for more info about their web chat service. And you can text SHOUT, that's just S-H-O-U-T, all capitals, to 85258 to contact the SHOUT crisis line and text YM, that's Yankee Mike, if you are under 19. So loads of options out there. You know, we said last week, you know, talk to family and friends if you can, reach out to someone, but... If you feel that isn't an option, there are plenty of professional services out there. Just don't want to see more updates like that. And I think it's, you know, it's awful news. And it's so sad. It's heartbreaking. But one thing that I think is great, Mark, about football and the football family is they come together. And, you know, this tribalism, this rivalry, Hearts and Celtic, there's no love lost there. Same goes for Hearts and lots of other teams. But when it comes to something like this, I think that is where, you know, it doesn't rivalry doesn't matter you know this is important this could be anyone devon could have been a supporter of any club and you just don't want to see that news regardless of anything to do with football oh, it's just heartbreaking i mean to think he was at the game last tuesday against st johnston and not with us 24 hours later it's it's so hard and there, there's a phrase that that's been been doing the rounds for for a while and i think it's important to mention it Again, it's okay not to be okay. And Laurie's just given out the details. And there, there'll be people out there that are going through a hard time. And there'll be people that sadly are... This is hard. There, there are people out there that, that are sadly contemplating things that we don't want them to contemplate. What we, everyone, are trying to do is just provide them with a place to to go to speak to talk about it i've got a tear coming down my face just thinking about this and he's he's poor family and in the 13th minute there'll be there'll be a huge round of applause there there really will be in this game and uh, i think the livingston game last week they even stopped in the 13th minute they stopped the game yeah. to applaud this is this is hit home hard please don't don't just don't think about the fuck. Please don't think about the worst that can happen. I'm not saying try and accentuate the positive, but know that there are people out there that will gladly listen at any time of the day, whether you want to do it confidentially or whatever. Um, we hearts fans, hearts podcasts, the football club. Any 
podcasts, any fans of any clubs are, are here to listen. I, I just, I'm so sad that it takes something like this for us to be in a predicament to want to talk about it. It's, it's a reactive case. I hate that. This should be something we're always aware of. And in the, in the situation that we are in right now, where it's, it's tough, it's tough where some people are by themselves or whatever, just know that there are people out there to talk to. Um, and this will be an emotional time. And, and I know, certainly in this country, the, the, the whole thoughts and prayers, it's, for me, it's thrown about just totally liberally. And it's all oh, thoughts and prayers. No, th this is hit home. This, this is hit home. So anybody that's feeling sad or, or depressed, I think there's enough places you can go to now for, for help. And don't feel embarrassed to seek help um, because it, it's not just young 13-year-old Devin Gordon. There, there are footballers, Ryan, I would imagine. They can have footballers at the world of the feet. They can have all the money in the world, but they can still be miserable, can't they? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think you, you touched on it perfectly. There's so many people that are willing to help and, and just reaching out or just asking a question. And you just wish that um, young Devlin could be there tomorrow night to, to see how much, how loved he was, you know, in that 13th minute. And, and like you said, if anyone is really struggling, just, just tune in for that 13th minute and just look at how many people are there to help. You know, every single person at that stadium tomorrow night that claps or that is thinking about it would have been an ear, would have been someone to, to bounce things off, would have been willing to help. So, you know, if anyone is listening, reach out as hard as that may seem. You know, there's just so many people in your life or that around you that, that want to help. So um, it, it's great that the club's doing it in such a sad circumstance. And, yeah, if we can just raise awareness and, and help one person, then, then it's all worthwhile. Indeed. Well said. Yeah, so there will be um, a tribute in the 13th minute. And I know there's been a few of these in the past, but I think um, I think everyone can agree this would be one that would be very fitting to to see and to hear. And hopefully both sets of fans can get involved in that. And, and as I mentioned before, there's lots of resources out there for anyone who is struggling. Please don't suffer in silence. Please don't feel that there aren't any options out there. There isn't anyone to speak to. There is always someone available, be that a friend, a family member, or a professional, if need be. Um, thank you for tuning in to Scarves Around the Funnel this week. We will be back next week to speak about uh, the latest matches, be that two or three games, depending when we're back on. Um, until then, thank you for tuning in, and goodbye. Away up in Gorgia, Tyne Castle Park there's a wee football team that'll I make its mark They've won all the honours of footballing arts There's no other team to compare with the hearts H-E-A-R-T-S If you can't spell it then here's what it says Hearts, hearts, glorious hearts Stand at Tyne Castle, they buy The talk of the tune of the boys and men the peace of folks and This is my story This is my song Follow the hearts You can
hope that we can go back Our forwards can score and it's no idle talk Our defenses are as strong as the old guys 88 RTS If you can't spell it then Some see the dream